whenever hunger pains in stomachs grumble, and insatiable cravings overtake the body and brain, whenever savory smells fill the air and tempt your taste buds. This is the time to feed your cravings, partaking of Disney's delectable, foodish delights. Welcome, foolish mortals, to the Lunchbox Ghost Podcast. We will quench your undying thirst and feed your hunger for all of the foodish morsels that Disney has to offer. If you weren't hungry before, you sure will be now. (laughs) Our show begins with your foodish host, the Lunchbox Ghost. Hello, foodish mortals. It is autumn, the time of year that communities throughout our country and throughout the world have fall festivals. And as we near the month of October, many people look forward to the celebration of Oktoberfest. One of those people is my good friend and wingman, Tim Huddleston. Hi, Tim. Hi, Joel. I'm excited to be here to talk about Oktoberfest. Well, thank you for joining me once again for the Lunchbox Ghost. And when I started thinking about Oktoberfest, I wanted to have someone on that knows about Oktoberfest and knows about Disney. And you're the first one that came to mind because I know you love Disney as much as I do. And you love Oktoberfest probably more than I do. But you're the only friend I know that has an affection and love for both. Well, yeah, as we've said before, and you know really well, Walt Disney World is my most favorite place on the planet. And you know this about me. I can speak a little German, nur ein bisschen Deutsch. And so I've always had a propensity for all things German and Oktoberfest. So I've spent a lot of time trying to go to different Oktoberfests and, you know, taking in that environment and learning about that culture. And it's just fabulous to me. Well, I'm looking forward to our discussion, but many of our listeners and even many who participate in the celebration of Oktoberfest probably have no idea of the actual reason that the celebration is held each year and that it actually has nothing to do with the season. And that's exactly right and it is amazing that people don't know that and they assume it was some celebration for october hence oktoberfest but you're right the reason why the festival exists at all has nothing to do with the season and oktoberfest is known as the largest volksfest or folk festival in the world have you actually been to oktoberfest in munich i have not i always wanted to go and i know you know this it's actually not even referred to as oktoberfest in munich it's wiesen that's what they call it which is sort of a nickname for the community that it takes place in. I have partaken of a number of Oktoberfests around the country. Now, Oktoberfest actually began over 200 years ago as a wedding celebration. It actually, the very first Oktoberfest was October the 12th, 1810, when Bavaria's crown prince Ludwig, who later became king, married Princess Theresa. Very good. <laughs> now, you're going to have to correct me if I mispronounce any of these words. Well, I'm going to do well, I'm going to butcher German probably, but Well, you know, I've had this discussion with you I think in the past that you know, I started learning to speak German years ago, but I have enough trouble with English and with American English and Southern English. And so the way the German language is constructed, they tend to take lots of words and cram them into make one word and it becomes kind of hard sometimes to even pronounce. So even the best of American German speakers 
speakers or Dutch speakers as a second language have a lot of trouble pronouncing some of these words. Well, I'm glad to know that because I will definitely have a hard time pronouncing some of these words, but Bavaria's Crown Prince Ludwig married Princess Theresa of Saxony Hilberthausen. Were you there? I was not there. <laughs> I would have loved to have been there, Tim, because the wedding was celebrated with five days of drinking and feasting and ended with a horse race in an area that came to be called now, you're going to have to correct me on this pronunciation if I mispronounce it, Teresa Visa. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, Teresa Visa. Teresa Visa. That's close. Okay. <laughs> we're we're Clo good. Close enough, but in, in the English translation would be Theresa's Green or but, Meadow. And let me throw in, I mentioned earlier, I said Germans don't actually call Oktoberfest Oktoberfest. They call it Wiesen, which is sort of a nickname to Theresa Visa. Okay. Well, that's good to know. And I guess everybody had so much fun at that wedding celebration that the celebration then became an annual event. The following year, the horse race was combined with a state agricultural fair. So it became even more of a celebration. And then by the year 1818, eight years later, booths serving food and drink were introduced. And by the late 20th century, the booths had developed into large beer halls, which were made of plywood. More of what you consider Oktoberfest to be now. With the interior of those beer halls or booths containing balconies and bandstands and dance floors. And it's interesting that each of the original six Munich brewers erects one of the temporary structures. And the seating capacity can be up to 6,000 people in one of those booths or beer halls. See, that's amazing. That is a lot of people. That's a lot of people in one beer hall. That's right. The mayor of Munich actually taps the first keg to open the festival every year. Okay, okay. Let me stop you right here. So what do they call a mayor in German? I have no idea. You do too. Burgermeister. Burgermeister, okay. <laughs> well, no, I didn't know that, but I do know now. So <laughs> the Burgermeister of Munich taps the first keg to open the festival each year, and the festival now, instead of five days, runs for two weeks, which I believe some Oktoberfest here in the United States actually run for longer than about, two weeks. About six weeks is the average. You'll see them starting in the last week of September and running all the way through October. They never go beyond October, but they'll get a head start. A lot of times. Okay. Well, the Oktoberfest, or Wiesen, in Munich actually begins in September and ends the first Sunday in October every year. Right. We've talked a lot about beer, and Oktoberfest is often just associated with beer. And do you have any idea how much beer is consumed during the two-week period of Oktoberfest in Munich. You know, actually, I do not. I'm sure it's a lot. It is a lot. The total beer consumption during Oktoberfest is upwards of about 2 million gallons. Oh, my goodness. For that one two-week period. My goodness. We're just talking about Munich, the real Oktoberfest. Wow. That is, believe me, that's a lot of beer. <laughs> but you have to consider that Oktoberfest draws more than 6 million people each year, as many as 6.5 million in 1999. Gosh, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people for that one two-week period. And you would think a lot of those would be tourists, but 72% of the people are from right there in Bavaria. But it's something that people around the world love to go to. You oh, know, of course. And, and experience. And, you know, not everybody gets to go. Like, you know, I haven't been able to go and always wanted to, you know. And it's certainly a part of the Bavarian tradition. So those inhabitants of Bavaria look forward to it every single year. Right. And I think it's interesting that the original six Munich breweries still provide the beer for Oktoberfest 
there in Munich, Germany. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, they're the only ones allowed. You you can't bring in any beer or no one can come in and sell it other than those six, if I'm not mistaken. And I think is interesting and really kind of hard to believe considering today's time, particularly here in the United States, that the festival is still held at the original location of Theresa Visa. That is amazing. So you're talking 200 years basically in the same location. Exactly. I mean, it's never been held anywhere else that I know of. It's always been held at that original location where they had the original wedding celebration. And it consists of a mostly empty space, approximately 100 acres, which translates out to be about four and a half million square feet. Wow. Consider running six million people through there every year. Wow. In a six-week window. That's... No, you're talking about a two-week window. Oh, that's right. Two weeks. Now, certainly... Because of COVID-19, they're not having Oktoberfest this year. But hopefully, that tradition will start back up next year. And I think it's important to note that the festival's traditions really go beyond beer. Again, we've talked a lot about beer. And there is a lot of beer that is being consumed during Oktoberfest. But the festival's traditions go beyond beer. Well, you know, and everyone assumes that an Oktoberfest is about celebrating beer or about drinking beer but it's not beer just happens to have been the beverage of availability i won't even say choice back then but just because of 200 years ago you didn't have a refrigerator you didn't have a way to keep things cool and that's why lots of wines were consumed and and in places like you know germany beer was consumed so it was oktoberfest was never about beer beer became about oktoberfest yeah right well and you're talking about beer not necessarily being the drink of choice but again the sanitary conditions were much different back right, then, absolutely. and a lot of sewage was dumped into the creeks or rivers, so drinking water was kind of hazardous. Oh, yeah, right. And so you have, I mean, you didn't have a choice. Well, of course, you know, the Lunchbox Ghost is all about the food. Right. So I'm sure right. a good Oktoberfest has plenty of good German food. Well, and, I, and maybe that's why I had such a good time there, because, again, those are Germans that were putting that on, and the food is just fabulous. I love German food, and you eat a lot of, a lot of Brockwurst, strudels, and things like that. It's great. Well, looking at the traditions of Oktoberfest, particularly there in Munich, the breweries are represented in parades. They have Oktoberfest parades, which consist of beer wagons and floats, along with people in folk costumes or traditional Bavarian costumes, uh, clothing. And, and do you know what those are called? I would butcher the, the terms, <laughs> but go ahead. Men wear lederhosen. So a lederhosen is leather short pants. Or deerskin. And then suspenders. And the women wear a traditional dress called a dundle. And it's really ornate. You can't go to any Oktoberfest that you don't see those two things. And I love to see the people at Oktoberfest dressed in that traditional clothing. Right. In addition to the parade, you certainly have other entertainment with various types of games. You have amusement rides, and one of the best parts of Oktoberfest is the music. Yes, it is. When you have a traditional musician, which is the traditional band, and they're wearing the traditional clothes, and, and almost always they're accompanied by things like a alp horn, you know, big, long, huge alpine horns that... They'll have xylophones and even cowbells and things like that. And it's great stuff. I love some good polka music. And of course, when you're talking about the music, 
All of the music that is played during Oktoberfest is traditional Bavarian music. I love it. I mean, you know, we grew up with it here, hearing it on Lawrence Welk or something like that, you know. I've always loved that music. And the thing that makes a good Oktoberfest in the United States is when they recruit an authentic German band. Of course. Again, along with the Bavarian music and the polka music, you're certainly going to have dancing. Oh, yes. <laughs> Lots of dancing. And you're going to have your traditional Bavarian dances. Right. And again, the traditional Bavarian clothing just puts everything over the top. You have to go all in. And when you're talking about going all in at Oktoberfest, you're enjoying the food, you're enjoying the beverages, you're enjoying the atmosphere, you're enjoying dressing in traditional Bavarian clothing, and you're enjoying the music and dance. The right. entire tradition of the Bavarian culture. You're participating in Gemütlichkeit, which is the German word that really doesn't easily translate into English, but it's basically celebration, happiness, carrying on in festivity. Certainly, you can be in the festival hall, there's a thousand people in there, and they're all sitting long tables like they do in Germany, and you get to know people that way, and then they're dancing and singing and lots of toasting, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Now, you mentioned the toasting. Can you sing us the traditional <laughs> Oktoberfest <laughs> toast? Your audience doesn't want to hear me sing, but I mean, you know, it is about Oktoberfest, and I guess we can do that, but I'm prose it, which is, I toast to it. I'm prose it, I'm prose it, they're gemütlich like, I'm Prose it, I'm prose it, they're gemütlich like. Then what you do is you go, zikazoi, zikazoi, oi, 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 zikazoi, zikazoi, oi, oi, oi. Then you count down, ein, zwei, drei, and then you go, gesufa, which is drink. So that's how that song goes. Well, that was certainly enjoyable. I hope our foodish mortals enjoyed that as much as I did. But our foodish mortals can actually celebrate Oktoberfest 365 days a year at Walt Disney World. The Germany Pavilion in the World Showcase at Epcot has a restaurant there called Beer Garden. And in Beer Garden, you can celebrate Oktoberfest Every day of the year. You know, if you have not gone to the German Pavilion and to the beer garden there, it's breathtaking when you first go in. It's so ornate and it's very German themed. And, you know, we were talking about a little bit earlier is that for the most part, a lot of the, the German Oktoberfest is an outdoor kind of experience. It's just better because in Germany, the weather in October is, is fine for it. Here, we tend to have rain problems. It may still be warm. So when they designed that beer garden in the German Pavilion at Walt Disney World, they made it look like you're outside. When you're sitting there, you feel like you're in an October evening in Bavaria, in Germany. And you forget that it's 100 degrees outside. Right, you know, whatever. Right. It's great. It's well, well done. You do, inside Beer Garden, have that feeling that you're actually outside at night or twilight, under the stars, listening to the beat of oompa music. And you're looking at the stage, it's really nice. It looks like you're maybe in a little town square, and you see lights in windows throughout. Don't hold me to this, but I think you can actually see some stars, even. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. You do feel like you are outside, and of course, there's a stage set up, and if you're looking at the stage, it looks like it's an outdoor stage, because you can see the facade of other buildings just right. like you are in a downtown square and they have the long tables they certainly have a, a dance floor in front of the stage 
but they have long tables, not quite as long as they do in Munich. Well, they have it tiered, which really lends itself much better than being outside because everybody would be at the same level. And after a while, you're just looking at the back of people's heads and you can't right. even see the man. But they cleverly tiered it. I think it's like three tiers of tables and everybody gets a good view. It is tiered like a theater and that way everyone can have a good view of the stage and the musicians and the dancers and the entertainment on stage and certainly while you're there you can partake of the all-you-care-to-eat buffet, which we'll get to in a moment. But leading up to Beer Garden, you're walking around the World Showcase and you enter the Germany Pavilion. And the Imagineers did a fantastic job, in my opinion, of recreating a typical German village on the outside. It is gorgeous. The architecture of the Germany Pavilion was inspired by a number of real cities throughout Germany and monuments around Germany, but it has a heavy influence on the Bavaria region. The Imagineers pull from the romanticized Rothenburg. Ah, okay, that's great. And Rothenburg is a well-preserved medieval old town, which is a popular tourist destination and a part of what they call the romantic road that leads through southern Germany. So it's a romantic German town that still has the medieval flavor and atmosphere. And they recreated the atmosphere of the 16th century town in Rothenburg right there in the Germany Pavilion. So it has a very romantic feel to it. Some of the facades appear to be influenced by buildings in Frankfurt and Freiburg, including the clock tower. Right. there in the Germany Pavilion. It's inspired by a similar timepiece in Freiburg. Well, certainly the Germany Pavilion is impressive, and the the Platz, or Plaza, of the Germany Pavilion is actually a conglomeration of architectural styles that can be found in various regions throughout Germany, such as the Rhine region in Bavaria and communities in the German North, with a collection of buildings from the 12th century to the 17th centuries all blending together. So it's a good representation of the whole country of Germany. The center of the pavilion is a huge water fountain. I know you've probably sat there and rested there at that water fountain just like I have. Oh yes, and lots of people. And the fountain is topped with a statue of St. George. The fountain, of course, sits directly in front of the entrance to Beer Garden. I love just sitting right there at that fountain. It's really nice, and you can people watch at that point, and after a while, you're convinced you're in Germany. Of course, and, you know, walking up, Beer Garden is in the back of the pavilion, right behind the water fountain, and it's in a castle. And the castle was actually built to serve two purposes. One is certainly to house beer garden but did you know the other purpose for the castle no actually i don't the castle was originally supposed to house a river cruise ride much like milestrom in the norway pavilion Oh, really? But the river cruise here in the castle in the Germany Pavilion was supposed to do the same thing. You know, it was going to take you through a river cruise of the major rivers of Germany and the history of Germany. But unfortunately, due to budget cuts, that attraction was put on hold and still has never been built and probably never will be. You know, that would be amazing. I did not know that. Since the River Cruise attraction was put on hold, that makes Beer Garden and the October Fest celebration the big attraction there in the Germany Pavilion. Because at Beer Garden, again, you can celebrate Oktoberfest 12 months a year, 365 days a year, and not just for a two-week 
period during September and October. You know, and what's amazing about it is that they go all out to make sure it is as authentic as possible. As you know, all of Epcot, wherever you are, they bring in people from that country to work those pavilions. And that's certainly the case with Germany. So you have the German accent, but they're wearing the traditional Lederhosen or the Dundle dress and the band or the Musiken. They're actual Germans and they know their stuff. And then they've got the, the Alp horns and everything else. I mean, the bells they do is a great, great experience because Walt Disney World has spent a lot of time trying to make it as authentic as humanly possible. And I think they nailed it. Well, I think they did too. And certainly, if you foolish mortals have never been to an Oktoberfest, I would recommend that you go to Beer Garden and enjoy Oktoberfest at the Germany Pavilion at Epcot. It is a fun time. It gives you a taste of what Oktoberfest is really about. And again, I think most people just associate Oktoberfest with drinking beer. And it's just a huge beer drinking party or a beer drinking festival. But that's not it at all. And I believe so many people avoid beer garden because they believe that that's all beer garden is about. You know, I have a story that illustrates what you're saying. It proves this point. And that is my brother. He has never had a tolerance for drinking or anyone getting drunk or anything like that. We decided as a Christmas gift to my mother about 10 years ago that we would take her to Walt Disney World and we would spend some time in the Magic Kingdom, but mostly in Epcot. So we took her and I have never been to Epcot and I've been many times, but I've never been to Epcot that I didn't make a trip beer garden so here i'm going with my brother who's a teetotaler and low tolerance that kind of stuff and i'm thinking you know we're gonna have to pass the beer garden because he's going to have the wrong impression but what i know is what you said and that is that the beer garden at Walt Disney World is not a bar, a honky-tonk. Not a beer hall. It's not a beer hall. I mean, beer is there. You can order beer. If you're 21 years of age or old. Right. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a part of the experience. And so I'm thinking, okay. So we made a reservation. And the whole time I sweat this thing, because my brother's going to see these people drinking and toasting and singing all. And it's just going to be a miserable experience. So we go. Well, and then we go through the whole thing. And when we laugh, my brother said, that's the best experience I ever had. We're coming back and we're going to do this again. (laughs) And it proves the point of what you say. It is not about the beer. Beer is there. But as you know, I'm not a drinker. I just go for the food and I go for the atmosphere. Same same for me. I don't even, I could drink a beer, but I just don't. But you can get tea or whatever, any traditional drink there, and you can still toast just like anybody else. (laughs) You can toast with water. That's it. That's it. Certainly, again, if you are 21 years of age or older, you can enjoy a slew of German beers and wines at beer garden right and i believe whether they serve it by the liter or whatever size you can also order a beer flight and by the way it's authentic german beer all of it is. all of it and, and the wine well i am so glad that keith had such a good time that he wants to go back he loved it he'd go back today if he could well and that is a testament to disney's and the imagineers efforts in making beer garden and oktoberfest an enjoyable experience for the whole family. They found a way to emphasize the gemütlichkeit, not the drinking aspect of it, but the enjoyment, the excitement, the celebration of it. 
that is fantastic. Again, I'm so glad that Keith had such a great time that he wants to go back. And I can tell you, I love Beer Garden. And one of the things I love about it is what the Lunchbox Ghost wants to get around to talking about, and that is the all-you-care-to-eat buffet and the food. Which is so worth talking about. Trust me, it is great. That buffet is filled with traditional German food. And I love bratwurst. I love all types of German sausages. And you have a variety of German sausages on that buffet. They rotate them in and out. So they may not have one the first time you go up to the bar, but they may have it the second time you go, or the third time, or the fourth or fifth time, however many times you want to go, because it is all you care to eat. But I absolutely love schnitzel. Oh, yes. Whether it's pork or chicken, but I prefer pork schnitzel. Yeah, and usually schnitzel in German is going to be a Wiener schnitzel, which is veal. Right. And they have veal schnitzel. Oh, of course. On that buffet, which is great. Here, you're going to get a chicken schnitzel or you're going to get a pork schnitzel. Because pork and veal kind of have some similarity. You know, veal being a more milder steak as it comes from a calf. But it is so authentic, you know, on that buffet which blows my mind because I don't think of German food as ever being on a buffet. You know, but they have it there, and it is delicious. The sauerbraten is some of the best in the world, and I, you know this about me. I have two quests in life. One is to find the perfect Brunswick stew, and I look for the perfect sauerbraten. And in Huntsville, there's a little restaurant there that serves the best that I've had. And that's Huntsville, Alabama. Huntsville, Alabama, right? Not then some good sauerbraten in Helen, Georgia. It's really, really good. There's a restaurant in New York that's really, really good, and in, actually in D.C. also. But believe it or not, the the best I've ever had happens to be at Beer Garden on the buffet table at Walt Disney World, which well, makes no sense because you don't think of that as a, a buffet food, but also the prep takes five days to make this stuff and to make it right, and yet they do it. Well, of course, that's Disney magic for you. It is the Disney magic. Now, for our foodish mortals that don't know what sauerbraten is, what is sauerbraten? Well, sauerbraten basically is considered the national dish of Germany. It's, it's really just a roast beef, but it's a marinated roast beef. For five days. It takes up to five days. Now, you can do it a little less, but the best is five days of marinating this roast beef and then making this wonderful gravy out of the marinade and then adding a German-type cookie that's similar to a ginger snap. So we would use a ginger snap here to make it. And you make this wonderful, rich gravy, and you put on top of that marinated roast beef, and it is unbelievably good. And, of course, we mentioned schnitzel already. Schnitzel is basically a breaded cutlet. It's just a cutlet, and so it can be any kind of meat. The the traditional Wiener, which would be veal. veal. Here in the States, there's a lot of pork schnitzel. I've certainly had it every way you can imagine, but I love the fact that it is so thin. It's just a cutlet. Cutlet and it's breaded and fried, and it's typically not very greasy. And you know, it's mostly fried in a combination of butter and oil. Well, certainly, in addition to those foods and the traditional sausages, they have rotisserie chicken, they have sauerkraut. Yeah, they have German sauerkraut, so it's the real stuff. They have the red sauerkraut, they have the, what we're familiar with. And I prefer the red sauerkraut. Okay, okay. They have Spitzel. Spitzel is one pronunciation, Spatzel is another. You'll hear three or four different pronunciations. Well, we'll call it Spatzel. So, what is spatzel? Okay, so it's actually a German noodle. It's an egg noodle, right? It's an egg noodle. It's made out of eggs, but it looks like scrambled eggs when you look at it. But the reason why is you make the noodle batter, 
And, there, and there's actually a little trick behind how you do that. But but anyway, it's not a cooking show, so we won't go into that. But you make this batter, and you literally strain the batter over boiling water. And you can use it like a regular strainer, and you could just push the batter through, and it drops down in. And then as it cooks, it comes up to the surface of the water, and you skim it off. And then a good German will take that and put it in a frying pan and kind of give it a little bit of a browning with a little bit of butter. It is great. People will say, it looks like scrambled eggs. It's not. It's actually a noodle. It's okay. actually a pasta. I should say a pasta, yes. A German pasta. And, of course, they have seasonal salads on the buffet. They just have so much good German food. Right. And no matter how many times you go back to get whatever food you want to try, whatever you want to eat, you have to save room for dessert. Because they have the traditional German desserts. Of course, and you cannot leave Beer Garden or the Germany Pavilion without sampling all of the German desserts. Right. The Black Forest Cake. Right, which is unbelievably good. Yes, it is. Bavarian Cheesecake, and I love a good hand-pulled apple strudel. You know, and they'll actually have different flavors, like they'll have cherry strudel, but apple strudel's traditional, and if you put some ice cream on top of that stuff, oh, you're in heaven. You yes, are. you are, and it is handmade fresh daily. Again, this is the whole magic of, they're moving so many people in and out of that pavilion daily, and yet they are making this food literally fresh. I mean, it's, they're making it the way a German grandmother would have made it, you know? Yes, exactly. Exactly. I absolutely love the food there. I love the atmosphere there. If you have never been to Beer Garden, I encourage you on your next trip, all of you foolish mortals, make a reservation for Beer Garden and enjoy Oktoberfest no matter what day of the year you go. And one dessert that you do not order, expect to see, is German chocolate cake because that's the same thing as going to France and ordering French fries. <laughs> that is true. So be sure not to ask where the German cake is. That's right. The German chocolate, chocolate cake, cake is. Because you want the Black Forest cake. It's great. But, <laughs> but do not ask for German chocolate cake. That's right. Well, that is Beer Garden. And you certainly mentioned, you know, for those of you that may not have time to enjoy Beer Garden and may not be able to get a reservation while you are on your trip or visit to Walt Disney World or Epcot. Certainly you can get a taste of Germany at the counter service restaurant and the name of that counter service restaurant is Summerfest and Tim mentioned it earlier because there you can get a bratwurst or a frankfurter so you can get a taste of Germany there and you can get the sides that they have or noodle gratin which is baked macaroni and cheese custard or you can get cold potato salad which is the traditional cold potato salad with eggs and you can certainly get a couple of desserts there and that is the apple strudel with vanilla sauce or the black forest cake but the one thing you cannot get there is german chocolate cake don't ask for it so don't ask for it <laughs> now tim you mentioned the beer stein earlier Right. Now, the beer stein has an interesting history, and certainly I think it's appropriate for the times that we're living in this year, the year 2020, with the COVID-19 pandemic. But the history of the beer stein goes something like this. In, in the Middle Ages, as we mentioned earlier, sanitation practices were virtually unknown throughout Europe, and sewage was often disposed of in rivers and streams, making the practice of drinking water pretty dangerous. So folks started drinking beer with an alcoholic content just high enough to kill most bacteria. 
and even children drank beer. And in the 14th century, along came the Black Death or the bubonic plague. So again, kind of appropriate to the times we're living in. And the Black Death or bubonic plague was killing Europeans by the thousands every day. So in an effort to stem the disease, the bubonic plague, a law was passed in Germany mandating that all drinking vessels needed to have a lid to keep out diseased flies, which might be carrying the plague. So, thus, the Stein was born. That's interesting. I did not know that. I actually collect Steins, and I did not know the history of Steins. So that's amazing. But it makes sense. You know, a lot of people look at a Stein, they call it a mug. Right. Or they look at a mug and call it a Stein. Right. But do you know the difference between a mug and a Stein? So what is the difference? The lid. There you go. There you have it. A Stein has the lid. Yeah. And you talk about collecting steins. If you've never done it, and I'll be surprised if you haven't, but while you're in the Germany Pavilion, you can buy a stein at one of the gift shops there in the Germany Pavilion. Glaskunst. Right. Did I pronounce that correctly? Pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> Which, do you know what it means in Tell German? Me. It means glass art. Glass art. And certainly the steins that you find in that gift shop are a work of art. Yeah. And you can get them personalized. You know, and I haven't ever done that. And I did not know this, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I later found out that if you order something like that there, you can actually pay to have it shipped back to you. Oh, yeah. And see, I didn't know that because I'm thinking, I don't want to walk around the park and end up breaking this thing, you know? I, I can't tell you how many items we have bought at various gift shops throughout Walt Disney World and had them shipped home. Yeah, and it makes sense. And, you know, I'm thinking, why did I not know that? Because what I do not have in my collection, I have the moss, the glass mugs. Now that I know the the difference. the difference. And then I've got some traditional steins, maybe 10, but I do not have one from there. I will on my next trip now that I know I can do that. Well, we go in that gift shop every time we are there, every time we go to Epcot, and we have bought steins, but we've always bought them as gifts for other people. Really? So I actually, I have a number of steins that are from Germany, but I have never bought one at Epcot, but I think that will be on my list of something to do. You can get them in practically every size. I mean, they have small ones. They have extremely large ones. They have some that are reasonably priced, and they have some that are very expensive. I'm glad that you said that. It added to the fact that while you have done that at gift shops, you haven't done that at the one in the German Pavilion, because I'm thinking, why do I not have a Stein in my collection? But that's because you haven't done that. I haven't done that, but I can tell you, the next time I go, you'll be receiving a Stein from Glasscoast. Frozen. Well, Tim... Thank you so much for uh, being my guest on the Lunchbox Ghost. This has been a blast. I can't wait to have you on another episode in the future. Well, you know, you just about tapped out all my knowledge. <laughs> you may not have another show for me, but, yeah, you know, it's fun. I love it. You're doing a great job with this, and it's, it's amazing at all the food choices there are at Walt Disney World. It's oh, yes. just amazing, and people need to know that because you need the full experience. When you go to Walt Disney World, first of all, you can't go in one day. We all know that. You gotta spend some time. But now, folks, when you're planning your trip, not only you gotta add extra time and not only you gotta make sure you go to the German pavilion, there will be a test, folks. You will have to go, there will be a test. But you need to allow plenty of time to enjoy the food choices that you've learned about on the Lunchbox Ghost. Well, again, thank you, Tim. And I certainly love food and I totally agree. You have to immerse yourself in the Disney experience. 
And that's what the Imagineers have given you the availability to do throughout Walt Disney World, but in particularly in Beer Garden and the Germany Pavilion. So please, all of you foodish mortals, put that on your bucket list for a stop. And considering the times that we're living in now, again, you can't go to a traditional Oktoberfest celebration this year, particularly not in Munich, but... You can go and celebrate Oktoberfest 365 days a year at Beer Garden in the Germany Pavilion at Epcot at Walt Disney World. And while you're there, raise a stein in celebration of Oktoberfest, but be sure to wear your mask. That is right. And I I have to wonder, you know, just like the way the stein came about during the bubonic plague, I wonder if in the future masks will be as collectible as the Steins are oh. now because of COVID-19. Oh, there's no doubt. And the reason why, they've become so creative. Have you seen some of these masks? It's just wonderful. And, of course, there's all kind of Walt Disney masks that you can get. But I see all kinds of clever ideas and clever designs. And so there'll be a collectible thing. Look, we're all in this together, and we'll all get through this together. So we might as well just enjoy it. And I promise you, you'll go to people's houses one day, and they'll have 20 different masks out. And <laughs> This is what we wore back in the, the day, you know. <laughs> you may be right. But to make sure that we all get through this together and to make sure that we can raise a stein together, wear your mask. And please tune in next time to see what the Lunchbox has for you. I am dying to have you. Ah, there you are. And just in time. There's a little matter I forgot to mention. Beware of lingering hunger for Disney's culinary craving. <laughs> Hurry back. Hurry back. Be sure to bring your appetite. Make final arrangements now to join us next time for more foodish morsels. We're dying to have you. If you would like to join our jamboree, be sure to like, share, comment, and rate the Lunchbox Ghost on all of your favorite social media and podcast platforms. Hurry over as we would love your company. Now, if this episode has given you hunger pains, be on the lookout for our blog to discover more delectable delights. You've been listening to the Lunchbox Ghost Podcast, part of the Imagination Radio Network and a BRS production.